absolute control over every life. I pray that you speak to us. Let us become more like you as we look into your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. It feels as if I haven't preached on a Wednesday for a very long time. Did you miss me? Yeah, right. I, I think Pastor Gloria has done a fantastic job. What do you think? Yeah. Very soon I'll stop preaching on Wednesdays for good. Good idea? Oh, you've got some way. Turn me down a bit. I'm still hearing echo in my... Luke chapter 24, verse 45 to 50. The Bible says that then he opened their minds so they could understand the the scriptures. And he told them what... This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but you stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up, their, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Here ends the reading of his holy word. I want to take for Wednesdays, my subject matter will be called Transformed for Ministry. Transformed for Ministry. We are talking about transformation. Amen. Transformed for Ministry. And my key text is from 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 12. And 13. 1 Timothy 12, 13. The Bible says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Hallelujah. So, Apostle Paul, or Brother Paul, is giving us his CV. And his CV read that he was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent or violent man. Hallelujah. But how many will agree with me that that is not the picture of Paul we see in the scriptures? Hello? Are you with me? Obviously, there must have been a transformation for Paul to become the one that wrote the best part of the New Testament. He couldn't have been a violent man. He couldn't have been a blasphemer. He couldn't have been a persecutor of Christians for him to have written all that. So there must have been a conversion. There must have been a a, a transformation. There must have been something that was different. Amen. And my my, um, objective is that by the time we finish talking about this, you will see that for you to become what God wants you to become in ministry, you have to change something about you. Hallelujah. If you want to drink Coca-Cola, you have to take a certain shape because we know Coca-Cola to fit in a certain shape of bottle. If you want to be um, any type of drink, you have to fit into the bottle to assume authenticity. If you want to remain a certain size and want to be called something, it will not work. In other words, God needs 
to shape you, to reshape you, reshape your form, your character, and everything in order to use you. Amen. You cannot go into ministry with your standard character. If you're a shy person and you want to go into ministry, you will have to lay down your shyness. Hello? If you're a quick-tempered person and you go into ministry, there must be a transformation or you make a bad minister. Am I making sense? Yeah. Otherwise, you end up fighting your church members. If you're a quarrelsome person and you go into ministry, you will have to leave that quarrelsome nature behind or else you will not make for a good minister. You, you end up sucking everybody with quarrels. Hallelujah. So it is very important that transformation must take place before you become the vessel that God can use. Hallelujah. I read somewhere in the, the, the scriptures that in the, in the uh, great house, there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. But if a man so purge himself, then he'll make himself fit and meet for the master's use. Hallelujah. The purging of yourself is the transformation of your old nature to fit the new nature that can be usable by God. Hallelujah. But in a great house, 2 Timothy 2.20, but in a great house, they are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but they have wood of clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Hallelujah. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, that's cleanse yourself from what? The wood. Cleanse yourself from the clay. Cleanse yourself from the gold. If you're a proud person, you won't make a good minister. You know, gold is very proud. How do you think? Gold is very, very proud. Gold is very, very, you know, they feel good about themselves. They feel that they are better than anybody and everybody. They feel very superior. They feel very, that is not a usable vessel where God is concerned. Hallelujah. And, and, and wood is quick-tempered. Small fire. Wood is very, very volatile. Put small fire, they'll burn. Put small ice, they will just become brittle. Wood is not a very good candidate and material for, for God to use. Clay is too sensitive. Clay is overly sensitive. Small fire, then they just lose their nature. They just discolor and they become something else. They are too sensitive. If you are too sensitive, you don't make for a good minister. If you are too uh, proud, you will make a good minister. If you are too sensitive, too, you know, careful, you won't do well. So you've got to cleanse yourself from this in order to become usable by God. Hallelujah. So we are going to go through the transformation we are talking about. Last week, on Sunday, I was saying that the Hebrew word for transformation, transform is what? Hapak, which means to be changed to be converted, to perverse. Perverse means to be opposite of. Hallelujah. So you've got to lose certain nature and you've got to assume certain nature in order to be usable by God. So we have to learn as people who are in the house of God that potentially can be used by God in any sphere that God chooses to use us to become malleable, to become easily molded. Am I making sense? Because Paul is telling us that what my old nature was, was not something that could be used. I needed to change my injurious nature, my wicked nature, my insolent nature. I had to leave all those things to become what I have become. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Hallelujah. And um, three things I want us to notice. Maybe we'll do that for today. Three things I want us to, to notice 
in ministry where we are being going to be transformed for ministry, they are, God is going to use, number one, God is going to use people to help you transform. Now, what we are treating on Sunday is different from what we are treating on Wednesday. On Sunday, we are treating transformation in terms of becoming a child of God. Do you understand? General. And on Wednesdays, we are treating transformation to be a minister of God. So you are now a child of God and everything. But from where you are as a child of God, to become a minister of the gospel is a little bit advanced from what we are doing on Sunday. Is that okay? Are you okay with me? You are quiet, so I'm wondering whether you understand it. So God is going to use people to help mold you. In other words, God is going to introduce certain knocks, people to give you certain knocks and chisel you. You know, like um, gold is always hidden inside of a rock. Right? So they have to break the rock. They have to hit the rock up. You have to hit panel bit the rock to chip off the rocky bit off so that the pure gold comes out of the rock. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you don't understand the process of transformation, you hate the person God uses to transform you. Hello? Do you understand? And, and, and some people don't become all that God wants them to become because they see the person who is being used by God to transform them as an evil person. And so they either run away from the place of their calling and end up elsewhere so the full transformation never happens and they, be, they take a certain form which is different from the form that fully God had destined for them to take. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. I know people who have run away from the discipline they needed to be under. Gone elsewhere where discipline was a little bit more relaxed. So they become something that is still being used but it's not really the one that God wanted to use. Some to honor, some to dishonor. Do you understand? Which means that God uses some vessels to dishonor. There are some vessels in your house they are not used for good things. Like the toilet bowl. It's a vessel. It's in the house. It's used, of course, but not for... Oh, you don't get it. Yeah. So I'm trying to make you understand that God is going to use people. I'll come back to it. God is also going to use circumstances. So three things. People circumstances, and God uses spiritual discipline also to help you transform. Amen. So the scripture we read, Jesus had been with these guys for three and a half years, and they still were not ready for ministry. In fact, they didn't even understand really what was going on. So the very final, final word Jesus was giving the disciples before he left, that was the first time he was telling them that after my departure, forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name. Hallelujah. He, the Bible said, and he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures which means that hitherto their minds were close to the scriptures, even though they were with Jesus. First, Luke 24, 45 to 50. says that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, which means that their minds before now was still close to the scriptures. They were serving in the house of God. They were with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the word himself. Could it be that you are with the word and the word is not open to you? 
Could it be that you are with God, made flesh, going up and down, traveling with the person? You see, when you travel with somebody in close proximity, you get to know the person. Are you with me? Could it be that they were close with Jesus, but they still didn't know who Jesus was? To the point that everything is said and done. He has gone to the cross, been resurrected. He's just about to leave. This is the very last, 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 last conversation before he leaves. And the Bible said, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. And not only did he open their minds, but he said, this is what was written, that Messiah will suffer and be raised from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, beginning in Jerusalem. You, you people are my witnesses. I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. So wait. And then he led them out to Bethany. He blessed them and he left. Hallelujah. So where did the conversion begin? In Matthew 28, 19, he says that Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. So he's saying that go. He's telling the disciples, this is what you're going to do. You are going out there and you're going to make, somebody say make, the word make means that it's not in existence before. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? You are going to make them disciples. So you go there, they are not pastors. You are going to make them pastors. They are not prophets. You are going to make them prophets. They are not shepherds. You are going to make them shepherds. They are not Christians. You are going to make them Christians. Are you thinking? So... You and I must embrace the fact that God is going to use somebody. And when that person comes, allow that person full access. Um, in this day and age, we struggle because we have a lot of televangelists, teleprophets, internet teachers, internet prophets, and pastors. So we get confused. So we more or less block certain aspects of our lives because we feel that somebody we don't know and hasn't seen us has got that bit. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. I don't care how many internet pastors you listen to. They will never ever replace the local pastor. I don't care how many hours you listen to a tape. The person who's going to make you become anything is a person who knows you and knows what needs to be done. I don't care how brilliant a student is. You can listen to all the YouTube lectures on a subject. Your local lecturer is the one who will make you pass or fail. Are you with me? So, until you make yourself open to that one who God has called into your life to make you, you are going nowhere. Transformation into spiritual any office depends on Eli, depends on Samuel, depends on Moses, Joshua, it depends on Jesus' disciples because without him, you can do nothing. I don't know whether you understand me. I'm saying some deep things, but I really hope you are, you are getting them. Don't get, conf don't get it confused. Don't get it twisted. If you go for a conference and somebody speaks to you or you go, you listen to a particular man of God and that person is speaking, that person is not making you into anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is your mother's food, your father's food at home 
that you eat every day is that what's going to shape your life. Not McDonald's. Beggar King will never ever raise you. You know, have you not realized that the children are raised on solely on junk food are junk. They become very obese. They become very funny. They are very hyper. They are because it's not, it's not precept upon precept. It's not here, little, there, little. It is not very disciplined. It's not very balanced. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are just owned by the community. Anybody at all can have access to you. Unfortunately, there are Christians today that are owned by community of bishops and prophets. Anybody talks into their life. Anybody prophesies into them. I had, a, I had a guy here that I was training. I was training. There were so many things wrong with this guy that needed chipping off. And I was gradually chipping some things off. One day he went for a program. And a prophet looked at him and prophesied that you are going to be a great, a great prophet or a great pastor. And then he came to me and said that, Pastor, I went to a program. This prophet looked at me and said to me that I'm going to be a prophet. I said, okay. I've heard them go. Then he kept coming. Then all of a sudden, he started putting pressure on me that, listen, make me. To the point that at a time when I start preaching, he walks out of the door in protest. Because you are wasting my spiritual, you are sitting on, on my, and I said to him, David was 17 years old when a prophecy from almighty prophet Samuel came that you are going to be the king. He didn't become the king till he was 30 years old. The fact that you have gone and somebody has prophesied. Doesn't mean tomorrow you are going to be a pastor. Sit down. He didn't like it. So he went a few doors away. And somebody made him a pastor. And he took off. Today is a sorry sight. Because he did not allow himself to be transformed properly. All the problems that I was gradually chipping away came back to bite him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just because you are, and that is the problem we have in this day and age. There are so many prophets. Was that prophet lying? No. But you see, the prophecy is a prophecy. It's a futuristic something. But somebody has to make you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody in the Bible that has become anything was made by somebody. Look at it carefully. A David had to be trained by a Samuel. Saul had to have Samuel. Even Jesus had a John the Baptist. The disciples had Jesus. Joshua had Moses. Elisha had Elijah. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is always somebody that has to. So allow yourself to be trained. Allow yourself to be disciplined. Allow yourself to be molded. Are you with me? And the molding process, it takes a lot of some way. (laughs) Look at Look at the disciples. These are going to be the main apostles who are going to take over and take Christianity to the, to the world. Say, go and carry baskets of breadcrumbs. Send the people to sit in, in, in companies of... It's as if, like, what are setting people into companies of 50 got to do with raising the dead, preaching, and everything? Because today, we are all interested in number one. Number one is preaching. 
So, so long as I can preach, so long as I can lay my hands on the sick, so long as the sick will recover, that's it. No, no. A preacher, a good preacher who doesn't know management will make a good pastor. If you don't know organization, you make a good pastor. If you don't know leadership, you make a good pastor. If you don't know manage, uh, how to deal with people, you make a good pastor. Preaching alone is one third or even one, one eighth of what makes you a good pastor. It's, the, it's, it's only 40 minutes. If the whole week, how many hours preaching on, uh, what do you call it, Sunday is 45 minutes, Wednesday is 45 minutes, that's 90 minutes. Do you think 90 minutes as against Monday to Sunday? Can you see how insignificant preaching is in the grand scheme of things? So if you don't get somebody to teach you all the other bits, you are missing a great chunk of, a lot of people, they study preaching, they study scriptures, they study this, they study this. It's like, now I'm a, I'm a man of God. A lot of people are going nowhere. Started churches and the church is going nowhere because they didn't have anybody to discipline them. Anybody to mold them. Anybody to chisel them. In this day, if you want people to leave your church, just try disciplining them. I don't understand. I mean, the way I was trained, if I tried training any of my ministers or pastors, I don't think they would survive. Honestly. My pastor is having diarrhea at 2 in the morning, and he calls me, go look for a modium for me. And I'm driving through the whole of South London looking for a modium. <laughs> I was it's like I was on the end of the phone at any time go and I'm gone do this and I I, I remember one day one son, uh, wedding day this was a wedding the wedding had started everything was going on the soloist was singing just before the preaching just like what Sasha was doing. Then my pastor leaned over and said, you are preaching. <laughs> I kid you not. No preparation. No notes. No, uh, what do you call it? We, he has finished, you know, the, the vows. He has done the vows. You know that you do all those vows and communion. Everything is done. The soloist is singing before the preaching. And he leans, I mean, when the place is full, he leans, you are preaching. If I did that to any of my pastors, I'm sure that there will be chaos. I'll have a meeting after church and they will tell me a thing or two. Uh, next, I have to give us enough, enough notice. Anybody makes a mistake in the church, do you know the person he tells of in front of everybody? Not the one who made a mistake. Christopher. You can't ask her, she tell you. When something goes, she, then the whole church will shout, Christopher. I, I, I'm not at the back. What I didn't know was he was teaching me responsibility. That doesn't matter who in the organization, who in the church is doing something wrong because you are responsible. Everything falls on you. So now, instead of just being in charge of music, making sure the equipment are set, I'm now in charge of equipment, the cleanliness of the church, even though they are ashes, the, uh, what do you call it? And he has, he's a very finicky, pedantic person. When it's like one chair is out of line, the usher is there. Chief usher is there. He has to make sure the place is He will call me and blast me. What has chair got to do with me? It was chiseling something. It was breaking something. 
inside. God will use people. And you see, you must learn how to allow them full access without getting angry. You don't like, I don't, I don't you don't like my message. The way you have gone quiet, I don't know whether the message is working or, you see, I, I think that in our, in, in this day and age, we have spoiled you guys. We have spoiled you guys, so we are not really making you be molded into the vessel that God is looking for. So the best version of you is not, is not coming out. I mean, my pastor blasting me in front of everybody is not a big deal. I never feel like, oh, eh, eh, he has embarrassed me, and then I'll be angry. When you frown your face, you are spoiled the whole time. The whole message is going to change to you. You can ask her, she'll tell you. Before he got, I, mean, I would come to church around 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., and set all the equipment by myself. And then I have to also, after that, help the people set up the chairs because by now it's around 6.30. When service starts around 8, 6.30, 7, the ashes, first ashes are coming. I'll help them to clean up the place. And I have to go home, go and have a shower, change come to church before he gets to church or else I'm in trouble. Never mind that I've been there since 5.30 a.m. Today, the minister will say, we are tired. They walk in after service and come and sit there. And you dare not say to them, why are you? Up to today, coming to church at 5.30 in the morning on Sunday is not a big deal for me. I still do it to today because I've been doing it since many years ago because that is how I was trained. I don't know how many of my pastors will go to church at 5.30 a.m. Because I was trained, 5.30, you go there, you set the place up, you pray on the chairs before you go and get ready and come back. Never mention Tired. That word is a haram. <laughs> Do you know what a haram is? I will do four services and have to drive from Birmingham to London for a meeting. Do you know the time the meeting will happen? My meeting will start at 2 a.m. And I have to wait for my meeting. And the meeting is probably like 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> How are you? How, what's happening? Is the church okay? Have you done everything? Okay, so I'll see you. Then I have to drive around 2.30 a.m. 3 back to Birmingham and go to ch- uh, work bright and early next morning. It's like, oh, Keep ministers more than 10 minutes. They are gone. By the time you get ready, it's like, come and call the ministers. It's like, do you have a specific time? It's like, don't come and waste my time. That is why you are not being transformed properly. Because you cannot allow yourself to be chiseled up. You dare not leave church when pastor is having a meeting. And when pastor starts to have meeting, there's no closing time. And it's not like you have anything doing. You just... Just in case he changes his mind when he walks out. Sometimes you walk out of the door. Okay, come. Then there's another meeting for 10 minutes or one hour or two hours. It was not planned, but as soon as he saw your faces, a meeting organized itself. That is how you make yourself available. I mean, he'll call you. My bishop will call, call you. And he says, uh, I'm going to South America Tuesday. Meet me. 
in uh, Panama on Tuesday. Meet me in Panama. As to how I'll go get to Panama, is that one is not his problem. Just meet me in Panama. Or meet me in Colombia. Or meet me somewhere. And you have to go. Well, he has known it for the last God knows how many months. I'm not telling you tales. You can ask as you tell you. No, you don't have any agenda. You don't have any agenda. You just just be there. Sometimes you'll be there. I mean, like, it's like meet me in Panama. We'll go to Panama. We're there. Oh, the, the pastor was supposed to take that service. Didn't come. So, yeah. Chris, go with them. So, I mean, I think there was just some small church that they are inviting me. So, I just, I'm going because they say I should go. So, I have my notes. I'm going. I don't know. I enter the place and it's a basketball stadium full of human beings. Allow yourself to be transformed into ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? You don't have a agenda. He calls you anyhow, and you have to go. Sometimes, sometimes you call her. We are going to America. Meanwhile, we have been planning maybe a family holiday. Maybe a family holiday starting on Monday. Then they call Saturday, you have to be in America. The family holiday is finished. <laughs> I don't know whether I can do that to anybody here. Say, my leave is booked. If you want to do something, do I've been trying to even get people to come for a meeting that has not been scheduled more than a week or two weeks or three weeks in advance, it's, it's almost impossible. Because we are not allowing ourselves to be molded as soldiers. Hallelujah. Somebody is going to make you become everything you need to become. But you have to make yourself available. Your duty is to be there. Your duty is just Whatever. Anything you say. rebuke, then people's face begins to change. It's as if I have to apologize for rebuking you. Or find a way to say it without it being... No, 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 no. That is not helping you. That is not helping you at all. I don't have to feel like I'm walking on broken bottles around you because you will be offended. Are you with me? I mean, Jesus called his disciples, you fools and hard of hearing. I'm talking to his disciples. These pastors who have come these days, they don't respect. They just talk to us anyhow. Is it because I came to your church? Before you realize they are in the other church. Hallelujah. The, 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 the discipline that is needed to become everything that God's, God wants you to become, it doesn't have a format. It means rawness. Because the rawness is what will bring, the fire is what brings out the gold in you. The fire is what burns the impurity in you. 
Are you with me? I mean, like, how can it be that people who are like the serious Christians are the ones we have to struggle with to get them to come for a camp? The first time, the one who just joined the church only a couple of weeks ago, it's easy to get them to come for camp. But those who have been here for the last God knows how many years, they are the ones we struggle to get them to a camp because we cannot be molded. Remember the scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us wait unveiled faces because we continue to behold in the word of God as a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured or constantly being transformed into his own image in an ever increasing splendor in the form or in from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Hallelujah. So allow God to use the one who he has appointed into your life to mold you. Hallelujah. Discipline you. I was, I was talking to uh, this man and he was saying that, oh, I was speaking to your pastor. That's my pastor from Ghana. And he said, oh, your pastor was telling us how you used to go and fetch water from the wells for all the pastors to have their, their bath in the morning. And I, I wake up like 4 or 5 a.m. to give them, we go for camp in a place called Ivory. And there's a valley. That's where the water is. It's called Jamaica. Now, to go from Jamaica to where we're staying is like going from, you know, TGIF, Kexel Road, to come, and it's a, it's a hill. So you climb up the mountain with one bucket of water on your head and another bucket of water. So you go for one, then you go again. Then you go, then you go again. That was the upbringing we had. Don't know if I can get anybody to do that <laughs> before service starts. Number two, God uses circumstances to transform. Apart from people, God also uses circumstances. Now, this brother I was talking about that did not allow me to chip the rough edges from him. Do you know what happened? God now had to use circumstances to panobit him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you fail to let people mold you, God will now have to use the school of hard knocks to knock you into the shape that he wants. In John chapter 9, there's a story, the whole chapter is, has a story of a blind man who was raised, uh, who was healed by Jesus. And the disciples were saying that, did, was it this man who sinned or was it his parents that made him blind from birth? And Jesus was trying to explain to them that it is not because this man sinned nor his, uh, what do you call it, his parents but because the circumstances had been done in such a way that it will make him become. So when the guy was healed, he said, go and declare what the Lord has done for you. And the guy left and he spoke to many people about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. So you see, circumstances had brought the guy into a place of discipleship. Are you with me? And then he became a minister of the gospel because of the circumstances he was in. So sometimes, when you don't allow yourself to be disciplined, sometimes God also will use circumstances. Amen. Amen. We know in uh, 
Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good, isn't it? Sometimes God will use certain situations so that he will get what he wants from you. So those who are called according to his purpose, so that his purpose will come to pass anyway. Amen. How many are learning something? Then the last thing for today, God uses spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline to mold us. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, that have nothing to do with godlessness, myth, and old wife tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Hallelujah. Train yourself in godliness. In second, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 30, that therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue in my work and your salvation Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to do and to act in accordance to fulfill his good purpose. Amen. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hallelujah. There are spiritual disciplines that as you obey and as you walk in it in the scriptures, it molds you. Hallelujah. Spiritual discipline molds you. Like fasting is a discipline. Fasting doesn't only help you in terms of your appetite, but even your character. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because fasting kills your emotions, your edges, your soul. Because the soul is where the edge is, where, it's where the feeling is, where your, you know, so feelings, the hunger, and, uh, you know, whatever you want to do is transfer from your edge. So when you can control your stomach, you control your feeling, you control the edges. Because the first edge we have is to eat. Or to sleep. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you can control yourself in fasting, it will be easier to control sleep. Hallelujah. One of the greatest um, advantage a pastor must have is your ability to control sleep. If you can't control sleep, you won't make a good pastor. Some of us, you have to get your beauty sleep. You need your eight hours or you can't function properly. No, 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 no. Spiritual discipline also includes being able to discipline your eyes to wake up, to pray. To be able to um, hear what God is saying and obey. You know, Monday, the Lord laid somebody on my heart to pray for. And I, I was like, then it kept coming. Because Monday I was so tired, so I decided for Monday I'm going to sleep. Then when I wake up, I'll do only two outings. And I managed to do only one out of the two outings. But when I was doing the first outing, that it kept coming, the person's name kept coming. So in order not to feel guilty. I said, Lord, wherever he is, bless him. Then I left it. Then, today, this morning, the same thing kept coming. That there is something. Anytime I hear that, it means I need to pray for the person or I need to call the person. So, just before, not too long in the afternoon, I called the guy. When I called the guy, I said, how did you know? He said that he's been under attack. And he himself doesn't know what it is, but it's like he's been feeling, and especially today, he felt so bad. He woke up feeling himself. So when I called, I said, there's something. As soon as I called, I said, what is wrong? That's all I said. What is wrong? He said, how did you know? 
So we spoke and I prayed with him and I told him he'll be okay. And he was like, and this is somebody who was like a son, has been a son to us. And then he backslid, he got into all this, um, what do you call it? Uh, black Israelites something. You know, so he, he, he felt that of all people, you won't be the one that I will call, you know, because God has laid something to pray with him. But I, I finished chatting with him and I prayed with him. And it was like, he was quiet. He felt, you know, but it's all part of spiritual discipline. God will prompt you. And you see, God is very gentle. When he gives you one and you don't obey, he doesn't give you again. Like in the night, you are trying to sleep, and then he tells you, get up and pray. Once you don't do it, he come again, get up and pray. You don't do it. Get up and pray, you don't do it. That's it. Sleep on. <laughs> you will never hear get up and pray ever again. You have to pray about it to ever hear get up and pray again. If God tells you, give a certain amount of money once, give again twice, give again, you don't do it. That's it. Those are all part of spiritual disciplines. Hallelujah. God will prompt you. God will use certain people to instruct you. God will use certain circumstances. God will always use those things to transform you. Hallelujah. God told Saul, who became Paul, go to the city and ask for a certain guy and stay in the house. I will send somebody to come and pray for you. Do you think that if Paul had left and not gone to that person's house and gone somewhere, he would still be blinded today? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So allow, you see, Paul was a very learned man, remember. He was very, very learned in the, the scriptures. He was a very learned man, but he still needed Ananias. He still needed somebody to teach him and open his eyes to the scripture. And he had to succumb to learn. God used circumstances with Paul. God used people with Paul. And God used spiritual discipline. Hallelujah. And for you and I, God will use these same three things to discipline us and transform us. Allow yourself to go through the three things. Stand to your feet.